This evening we're going to be looking at the righteous and the wicked. The righteous and the wicked, and that's in Psalm 5. I'll just read Psalm 5 to you. As I said, it's uh, another Psalm of David. We've just read one. Psalm of David, Psalm 51, in which he says, Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. A prayer for forgiveness of his terrible sins. But uh, now we're looking at Psalm 5 and reading from verse 1. Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and will look up. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy. And in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulchre. They flatter with their tongue. Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions. For they have rebelled against thee. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous. With favour wilt thou compass him as with a shield. This psalm of David is a prayer to Jehovah God. We can see that to be the case very clearly in those first two verses where David said, Give ear to my words, O Lord, capital letters Lord, the covenant name of God to his people. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. Also, it's a psalm that presents a contrast between the righteous and the wicked. First of all, we see that David prayed to to his king and God. Even though David said, give ear to my words and hearken unto the voice of my cry. That doesn't necessarily mean that his prayer was audible. We see that in verse 2, hearken unto the voice of my cry. Not necessarily uh, a prayer that he prayed out loud. Doesn't necessarily mean that uh, it was silent. We don't know what it means. When you pray aloud, your voice is nothing more than an outer garment. And God knows all the thoughts of your heart, whether you're praying out loud or silently. 
God knows every word that you utter, even before you've uttered it. And, and um, as you lay bare your heart before God, again, he knows what is in your heart, whether you're praying out loud or not. But either way, David says here, hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. And audible prayers, just because you pray out loud, doesn't necessarily mean that those prayers are acceptable. It all depends on what you're praying. For example, we can consider what the Lord Jesus Christ said to those who were trusting in themselves as being righteous before God. To those people, he spoke a parable about two men who prayed in the temple. One was a Pharisee, the other was a publican or a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, prayed with himself. Sounds like he was praying for his own ears. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. As for the publican or the tax collector, standing afar off, he would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Maybe you conjure up the thoughts in your mind, even a picture in your mind of those two characters, the Pharisee and the tax collector. I don't know if you have them both praying out loud. I tend to think of the, the, the Pharisee praying out loud just so that he can have a, have a little dig at the, um, the tax collector next to him. And uh, as for the tax collector, I, I tend to think of him praying audibly as well, but we're not actually told that. I don't know if the Pharisee was silent or not when he prayed with himself, but what can be said with certainty is that he boasted, he blew his own trumpet about how great he was whilst he mentioned the sins of others, including the tax collector who simply said, God be merciful to me a sinner, as he beat his chest. And Jesus explained that the tax collector went home, went down to his house justified rather than the other, rather than the Pharisee. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So that's really a, a lesson in humility. When you come before the Lord, you do so with humility. When Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, far from teaching them to exalt themselves, he taught them to exalt God as they confessed their sins. When Jesus said to them, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. How often do we pray for forgiveness? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. And there is a lot of temptation out there, isn't there? 
Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Started with God, finishes with God. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's a beautiful prayer, isn't it? And what do you expect? It's a prayer that Jesus um, taught his disciples to pray. As to whether to pray audibly or not, there are times when it is appropriate to pray out loud, such as for the benefit and the encouragement of others, at prayer meetings, for example. Even though your prayers and your supplications should be um, vertical, aim vertically towards heaven, we, I, we pray to God. We don't pray horizontally to each other. But nevertheless, when we're at a prayer meeting and we're praying to God, we pray out loud and it's a, it's a, it's a source of encouragement to others. And then they can, uh, they can add their amen at the end. They, as you pray out loud, they're praying along with you and saying amen at the end of your prayer. So that's definitely a time when it, it makes sense to pray out loud at a prayer meeting. It's pretty obvious, I would think. You can look at David in verse chapter 5, verse 1. He prayed, again, I don't know if it was out loud, but he prayed to his Lord, his God and his King. That's an important thing, stating the obvious again. But David, his prayers were directed to God, not to Mary, not to the saints or, or anyone else for that matter. And so it was a prayer that was going towards heaven, aim towards heaven, to the God of his salvation, whom, whom he knew in a very personal way. Dave was, David was trusting in the Lord for the forgiveness of his sins. As such, when opening his heart to God, whether he did so out loud or not, he could be certain that his God and his King hearkened to the voice of his cry. Jesus prayed audibly as well, didn't he? I'm not saying Jesus always prayed audibly, but we get many examples in the Gospels of Jesus praying to his Father in heaven and praying out loud. And now 2,000 years later, we benefit from those audible prayers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Prayers that are a source of great comfort to many people. Prayers that are recorded. Jesus prayed out loud, the prayers are recorded and we have them preserved for us in our Bibles. Prayers of none other than the Son of God, the incarnate Son of God. Very, very special prayers. And so we can be very thankful to Jesus that he did pray out loud to his Father and those prayers are in our Bibles today. Just look at John chapter 17, well not now, but he... John chapter 17, the whole chapter is a high priestly prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you know, because I've told you so many times now, verse 24 of John 17 has been one of my favourite verses in the whole Bible for, for quite a number of years now. It's a verse where Jesus says, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. Jesus praying to his Father, declaring his will that his people, 
who God has given to him, be with him where I am, he says, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. I, I'm sure I wear the page out in my Bible for John chapter 17. I don't know how many times I've read that verse now. Uh, I love the whole chapter, that high priestly prayer of Jesus to his father, praying for his people those whom God has given him, those whom he died for on the cross, laid down his life for. And he's praying for them, that they be with him where he is. And it's amazing. I, 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 I never get fed up with that verse. It just gets better all the time. Also, you may be someone who prays audibly when you're alone, or at least when, you're, when you think you're alone. And you do so for your own benefit. Praying audibly may help you to what to to cast out all other thoughts and distractions. If you're actually praying, giving voice to your prayers, that will help you it to focus. I know that I often pray audibly to God, my Heavenly Father, when I'm out walking about with my dog, uh, various places, I... I, I, that it's a time that I enjoy communion with God and I, I pray out loud, not too loud of course And uh, but that should come as no surprise because if I'm being honest with you I, I do talk to myself quite a lot anyway, out loud hopefully when there's no one around equally there may be times when perhaps you feel that you don't have the strength to give voice to your prayers nevertheless it's, it's, it, if you just pray silently, again, God, he knows what is on your heart. Those silent prayers are just as important and God hears and he hearkens to those prayers. Let's have a look at verse 3. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. So we see in that verse, David prayed to the Lord in the morning. Well, do you think that was it? He, he got up, he said his morning prayer, and that was it for the day. I, I can't imagine that was the case. He prayed in the morning, but that doesn't mean to say that David didn't pray at other times in the day. But it is nevertheless a good idea to set aside time in the morning to commit your day to God to your king and your God. Why would any Christian think to embark on a brand new day without first committing it to God? Far better for you to be someone who dare not step outside your front door in the morning without first praying to your heavenly father as you recognise that you are a pilgrim and a stranger in a world in which the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, and unrepentant, unregenerate people in your community, in your school, in your workplace, and, and, and everywhere for that matter, will do the devil's bidding as his slaves. So it's a good idea, isn't it, to, to when you get up in the morning, to commit each new day to God. Because you're, you, this world is not your home. And you look to the Lord to be with you and to keep you from evil. 
just as Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Needless to say that your prayer life should consist of more than just committing each new day to God, as important as it is. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17, the Apostle Paul said, pray without ceasing. If we're to take Paul literally, as I think we ought to, then those words, pray without ceasing, they they teach us that Christians are wired up to have continual communion with their Father in heaven. Even if we're not always praying beside our bed, uh, on our knees, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we don't always have to be doing that, do we? To pray without ceasing uh, or to meditate on the word of God day and night as the, as the psalmist does in Psalm 1. We're just wired up as Christians, as new creatures in Christ, to, to have that communion with God and to commit everything to him throughout the day, the small things and obviously the big things. Uh, in our estimation, the big things, of course, nothing is too big for God. There's nothing too small, nothing too great for us to commit to God as the day unfolds. And that, that's what we should be doing. Secondly, God hates all workers of iniquity. Verses 4 and 5. For thou art not a God that have pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all the workers of iniquity. I've got a few questions for you here. Have you ever heard evangelists and preachers telling people that Jesus loves them? Maybe you've done it yourself when you've been talking to someone about the gospel. You're really keen for them to, to come to saving faith in Jesus and you tell them that you'd, you'd say Jesus loves you and he gave his life for you at the cross. He died for you at that cross. That's how much Jesus loves you. Maybe you've done it when you've been talking to someone, um, I wherever it may be, and it just comes out those words. It's so desperate for them to know that Jesus loves them. Maybe you've even quoted various scriptures such as Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 where the Apostle Paul said, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's a lot of verses like that in the Bible, commending God's love to us. But you've got to look at these passages in context. And and for example, the, the verse that I just read there, who was Paul speaking to? He was speaking to Christians. He was speaking to the church in Rome when he said to them, God commendeth his love towards us, us Christians, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Telling unrepentant sinners that God loves them does not really square with what we read in Psalm 5 and verse 5. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. That's what the psalmist says there, isn't it? Not only does God hate wickedness, but he also hates the workers of wickedness, the the workers of iniquity. Such people are described as foolish or proud, boastful, 
And there is no one more foolish or proud or boastful than a person who rejects the Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation from sin that he freely gives. The fact of the matter is that the wrath of God abides on such people. So you really do not want to be going around telling people Jesus loves you when the wrath of God is upon that person. Just look at what the following verses say about the workers of iniquity. In verse 4, God has no pleasure in them, they shall not dwell with him. Verse 5, they shall not stand in God's sight, he hates them. That's a strong one, isn't it? Verse 6, God shall destroy them. So, with those words in mind, it is not within a Christian's remit to indiscriminately tell people that Jesus loves them. That's going way beyond what uh, the scripture tells us to do. In fact, the Bible has a very solemn and sobering warning for unrepentant sinners. Those who obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. That's a bit different, isn't it? People need to know these things. Instead of just glibly saying to someone, Jesus loves you, tell them that the wages of sin is death. Tell them that they shall be cast into the winepress of God's wrath. Explain why, of course. Explain that um, God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into the world to lay down his life for repentant sinners. That's the gospel. The, The sacrificial death, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ for hell deserving sinners last of all look again at what the psalmist said in verse 10 I read it to you earlier verse 10 here destroy thou them O God let them fall by their own counsels cast them out into the multitude of their transgressions for they have rebelled against thee David said, destroy them, the workers of iniquity, the proud, the boastful, the foolish. Destroy them or make them guilty, you may have in your version of the Bible, or condemn them. However, dear Christian, don't leave here thinking that that is something that you should, that you really ought to be saying when you're praying to your king and your God. Unlike you and me, David was speaking as the mouthpiece of God. As such, he was revealing the heart of a holy and righteous God towards foolish and proud people who have never shown repentance towards him. Neither have they ever trusted in his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of his sins. David was speaking as he was led by the Holy Spirit. His words of divinely inspired words breathed onto the pages 
of the Bible. The mouthpiece of Almighty God. With that in mind, that your prayers are not divinely inspired words. Mine most certainly aren't divinely inspired words when I'm fumbling my way through a prayer. They are not God-breathed. They are not written indelibly onto the pages of the Bible. You would probably feel somewhat uneasy telling God to destroy the wicked. What you can do as you consider God's abundant grace and his mercy towards you A grace that not only saved a wretch like you, but a grace that keeps you every moment of every day. And a grace that will take you home. And in accordance with the the will of Jesus to his Father, you will be with Jesus to behold his glory when you leave this world. What you can do, not that I'm telling anyone how to pray, but what you can do is pray for the wicked that God would grant them repentance, that he would bring them to their knees, that his hand would be heavy upon them and that they would come to saving faith by the grace of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. You just have to think of yourself um, were you any different to any anyone that, that when you look at the description of the 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 workers of iniquity in this psalm proud boastful foolish i think that would be a description of all of us and you saw that prayer of david in psalm 51 the things that he did wrong and he cried up to god for mercy. Have you ever wondered how many people prayed for your salvation when you had pleasure in wickedness instead of seeking God's grace to do that which is pleasing in his sight? When, before you became a Christian, who was praying for you? you you'll never know the numbers. But when God lifted me out of the pit of destruction and set me upon the rock whose name is Jesus, I discovered that so many people had been praying for me. People that I didn't even know had been praying for me. Although I was very much a hell-deserving sinner. As for you who have not yet turned from your evil ways and trusted in the Son of God, who had the iniquity, the wickedness of all that trust in him laid upon him at the cross, I won't tell you that Jesus loves you, but what I will do is quote another psalm. If you have not turned yet to Jesus. Psalm 145 verse 18 and 19 David, again, he was speaking divinely inspired words as he was guided by God, the Holy Spirit. And he said, the Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. This is something we know, isn't it, as Christians, the day when we 
we, we cried to God like the tax collector in the temple, God be merciful to me a sinner. No better than anyone else, it is purely the grace of God. And that was a, that was a prayer that you know that God heard, he hearkened to, and he saved you by his grace. We have a wonderful God of mercy and of grace. So, pray to God, pray regularly, pray without ceasing, whatever you're doing in the day, don't just, don't just, right, I've said my prayer in the morning, that's it for the day, thank you very much. Pray that you would be someone who focuses on Christ throughout the day and look to him. We read David again, so many of the Psalms of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me on the path of righteousness for his name's sake. David, following the Lord Jesus Christ, his shepherd. How wonderful that is. Clearly, he he stumbled from time to time. We know that, as we all do. But um, may it be our prayer that we are people who fix our eyes on our shepherd, our saviour, and, and follow him and look to him to guide us through each day that we might honour and glorify him. And pray for those who do not know the Lord, pray for their salvation. And I think even as Christians, we can, we can lose sight of how God is able to save to the utmost those who are in deep rebellion against him. But he does precisely that and he receives all glory. Amen.